Rookie wide receiver Tyler Scott gives the Chicago Bears speed and playmaking ability in an offense that's already really fast. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnBears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we really appreciate all of you who tune in every day, the everydayers. We call you five days a week. On the show today, we will be joined by another Locked On Podcast Network host from Locked On Bearcats to break down Cincinnati wide receiver Tyler Scott. We're going to kind of go through his college career and try and figure out exactly how that might project into the NFL from a guy who was a running back in high school to a receiver in college who really blossomed in his final year and is now coming to the Chicago Bears to try and take that track speed to the NFL. I think you'll learn a lot from our friend Alex Frank from Locked on Bearcats here. And then we'll come back and look at this Bears wide receiver core as it stands now pretty well set head entering the training camp and the regular season for the most part. We kind of know what the group is going to look like. And I think there's a couple of clear dynamics that we'll need to keep an eye on here moving forward. But but let's start going a little bit out of order with our draft pick analysis. The last couple of weeks, or last week, the last couple of podcasts, we did Darnell Wright, followed by Javon Dexter and Tyreek Stevenson. We're going to get to Zach Pickens here in a little bit, and we're going to get to Rashawn Johnson as well. But we're jumping ahead to Tyler Scott here, mixing it up, going to the wide receivers with our friends from Locked on Bearcats. Joining us now on the Locked on Bears podcast is Alex Frank. He's the host of Locked on Bearcats here on the Locked on Podcast Network. And he's also a producer for ABC6 in Columbus, Ohio. Alex, really appreciate you joining us today. Uh, it was a big, big year for Cincinnati in the draft, I think, comparatively to, I think, the long history of the school. How, how was this draft weekend for you? Well, first off, Lauren, it's great to be on with you. Um, great to talk Bearcats with you. I, 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 look, the Bearcats draft this year, I mean, last year they had nine draft picks. So this year they weren't going to duplicate that, unfortunately. But I still think overall three draft picks, seven undrafted free agents, very good draft for the Bearcats uh, with some players, some homegrown players, Ohioans. So really good draft. And I like that the team, I like the teams they went to, particularly Tyler Scott going to uh, the Chicago Bears. Yeah, let's let's talk about him. As far as like the pre-draft process went from from the time Cincinnati season ended, I know I think he opted out of the bowl game, but when he declared it for the draft, where did you expect him to go on, on draft day? And then as a result, what did you think about him? lasting to the fourth round where he did. Well, I think when he entered the draft, I thought he was going to be a, a a really good mid-round steal because he's a guy who can really elevate an offense with his ability to his ability with yards after the catch. He's a streaky downfield receiver. He's got tremendous speed. He had a great 40 time at his pro day. He had a I'm trying to remember what his 40 time was in the combine off the top of my head, but what I'm saying is I thought he was going to be a mid-round draft pick, second through fourth, and it turns out that's where he was, the fourth round. And again, 
I think this draft had so many unpredictable elements to it. I mean, heck, Ivan Pace Jr., if he would have told me that he was going to go undrafted, I would have never believed you. But then again, you know, Tyler Scott, I think, lasted until the fourth round. I, 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 I mean, I thought he was going to go somewhere around there. I mean, fourth round's still really good. It's, you know, first round of the last day. So there's still a lot of attention, I feel like. It's a great pick. It's a great environment for him. You go to a historic franchise like the Bears. You go to a great fan base. You stay in the Midwest. It, it's a great fit for him. I'm excited to see what he can do in terms of his chances of making the Bears roster. But from the moment that he entered the draft... I felt like he was going to be a great pick for whoever got him. I was hoping he would go to a team that needed a receiver like Tyler Scott, the ability to run after the catch. Now, he ran a, a 4-3-9, 40-yard dash. He ran a 6-9-9-3 cone drill. I don't really put much stock into that. He is a little undersized. He's only 5-9-7-8, 177 pounds, which, I mean, you can get by with that, I feel like, as a wide receiver. But there are some big wide receivers, as we know. The Bengals have one in T. Higgins. But, I mean, the Bears had the Bears have had some. I mean, Brandon Marshall was that. And I think Alshon Jeffrey was too. But I, I do think you can find some value with Tyler Scott, especially when you have a quarterback like Justin Fields. And you know more about him than I do covering the Bears daily. But he's got a really good arm. And if now that you have a downfield weapon with such speed, I mean, this was a guy... And I said this, Lauren, in my pre-draft video that I did for Locked On Podcast Network. Tyler Scott, in his career with the Cincinnati Bearcats, averaged 16.5 yards per catch. 16 and a half. That's almost two first downs per catch. And that, I mean, that can flip the field. And for a Bears offense that has struggled over the last few seasons, you need someone like that. Move the chains. You know, get you two first downs. Flip the field. I mean, the Bears' defense has not been a problem. So help them out a little bit on offense with the speedster receiver like Tyler Scott, who's versatile. It's not just the streaky downfield plays. He can run any route. He's great after the catch. He's got good he's got good footwork. This is a guy I think who could do really well for the Bears. Yeah, I know like one of the one of the popular stats that gets thrown around for him in Chicago now is that like all twelve or whatever of his touchdowns were of, of twenty plus yards downfield in, in college. How how much of those were like, you know, deep shots that were like it's twenty yards before the catch is just in the air versus plays he might have caught underneath or or shorter and then made twenty plus yards after the catch to make it a big play touchdown afterward. I, I think there's a combination of both from what I'm remembering. Obviously, he was more of a downfield guy from what I remember, but there was a touchdown catch he had against Temple in twenty one, where he I mean it was a simple ten yard completion. And then he just turned on the Jets down the sidelines, juke the defender, whoosh, he's in the end zone. There was a play earlier this season where he caught a pass on the on the far sideline and then took it all the way into the end zone. That was against Indiana. But mostly what I remember was the I mean, his first ever career touchdown with the Bearcats was an eighty one yard touchdown on the second play from scrimmage against Miami, where he streaked down the field. Desmond Ritter uncorked a gorgeous deep ball. And it was, I mean, vertical go. Um, there was a 53-yard touchdown against SMU that he had in 2021 where he ran a go route. But there was also, you know, there was one of his more memorable touchdowns was a 
simple 25-yard, I think it was a post pattern, 25-yard post pattern against Houston in the conference title game. I remember being on the field for that game working for ABC Sports. So you're going to get both, Lauren, but more so I think you're, you're going to get the the vertical, the downfield threat that he is because that's where he, that's where he thrives. And if Justin Fields, and one of my favorite memories of Fields in college was a long touchdown pass that he had in the Sugar Bowl against Clemson in the playoff, I think Olave was the was on the receiving end of it. And if that can translate to Chicago with Tyler Scott, this Bears offense is going to be much better than it's been in years past. This episode of Locked On Bears is brought to you by Built Bar, the world's best tasting protein bars. I've got some more Built Bars on the way to my house right now. I can't wait to get some more because they taste so good, but they're actually really good for you. Built Bars taste like candy bars, but they have the nutrients of a protein bar, and I eat one literally every single day. They're soft, easy to chew, covered in 100% real chocolate. They taste like candy bars, but they're low sugar, low calories, high fiber, and high protein. There's not another protein bar product on the market that tastes this good while still being high enough in protein and low sugar and low calories. Trust me, it is tasting is believing. You can check out all of their amazing flavors over at Built. Dot com, or you can get them even quicker at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. If you head into the pharmacy section in Walmart over by the protein bars, you can pick up a four-bar box of their cookies and cream bar, double chocolate bar, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, you can run in and grab a 13-bar box of two of my favorite flavors, brownie batter puff and the churro puffs. Try them for yourself. Check them out at built.com. And once you taste them, you'll thank me later. How would you describe Scott's speed? I mean, we know he's fast. We know he was a track guy in high school, but like, is it like, you know, Mike Vick in Madden 04 kind of like unfair speed or is, it, or is it just more like, you know, when he's running down the sideline, no one can quite keep up with him. Like, like how, how extreme was the speed that you saw at Cincinnati? I mean, look, Michael Vick's transcendent. I don't know if Tyler Scott is that, but he's sure. pretty dang fast. Um, obviously, Michael Vick was just, he was just elusive in addition to being fast. Tyler Scott's just fast. I mean, he can run down the field. Tyler Scott does have great footwork. But, I mean, you're, you're going to get a guy, his speed, I would say, I would say it's electric. I mean, he can get, I mean, he can rally a crowd with any big play. You need a big play, Tyler Scott can go and get it. If you have a strong-arm quarterback, you can send him as far down the field as you want to send him. He has the ability to take the top off the defense, which in the NFL, you need to do that. What do you remember about the recruiting process for him coming in? I know he was a, a high school running back and kind of recruited as an athlete and had to learn wide receiver. Like, I know he was, he was only a three-star, so it wasn't like this big landed prospect. But like, were, were, there, were there expectations for him coming in? And I guess how did you sort of see his, his college trajectory playing off of from like from the time he was from the time he came to campus to the time he left? Like how, how that process went from year to year? So he was obviously, as you mentioned, a running back in high school. He played, he ran track. So I knew he was going to be fast when he came to Cincinnati. What I remember most about his early career, his first season was 2020, which was obviously a very truncated year for all of college football. But what's unique is he came in at a time where you had receivers on the Bearcats named Alec Pierce, second round pick last year. Jay Sean Jackson, he transferred. I, I really miss Jay Sean Jackson, side note. And then you think about other receivers who were here, like, I'm trying to think. You had, oh, jeez. Trey Tucker. A bevy of receivers. Trey Tucker was it was a part of that. They had, obviously, they were still 
largely driven through the tight ends with Josh Wiley and Leonard Taylor was just coming around. They still had a really strong running game. It really, and Lauren, I'm thinking about it now, and, and I said this a lot on Lockdown Bearcats last year, it really wasn't until this year where the Bearcats sort of changed their identity. I don't think that was necessarily by choice. They changed their identity to being a pass-first offense, and in doing so, you saw how good Tyler Scott was. I mean, he made a jump from receiving on 30 catches rather in 21 to 899 receiving yards on 54. So what I remember most about when he was being recruited, obviously Luke Fickle was targeting Ohio players. Scott is from Norton, Ohio. And what's really interesting is he, he found his way onto the roster in 21. He had that big catch against Miami. He had four other touchdowns the rest of the season. And I just remember he was a guy who got better and better and better. And what's so great is, we all remember former strength coach Brady Collins at Cincinnati. He's moved on, but he could develop players. It didn't matter what position. Offensive line, defensive line, corner with Sauce Gardner, first-round pick from sixth on the depth chart. Same with Tyler Scott. You know, there were a lot of receivers over him, but as time wore on, he developed into a fast guy. Look, is he smaller than some receivers? Yes, but he's still really good. How did the offense change from what 2021 to 2022? You mentioned they go like more pass heavy. What did that look like and, and how did that affect Tyler Scott? The Bearcats historically, and when they're at their best, they're a run first team. And I wouldn't, and look, I say that as someone who saw every play of Desmond Ritter's four year career, the Bearcats still were a run first team. Like they, I mean, their running backs over the years have been really good. But last year, they lost Jake Renfro who was going to be their starting center to a, a knee injury just a few days before the season opener. The offensive line didn't turn out to be as good as we expected. So the Bearcats had to change, I think, and thinking about it now, from a run-first approach to a passing attack. They had a quarterback in Ben Bryant who wasn't very mobile, but he had what scouts describe as an NFL arm. So they realized, hey, we've got Tyler Scott, Nick Mardner, who's now with Auburn, transferred this offseason. But last year, Nick Mardner was this 6'6 wide receiver who could make contested catches on the perimeter and also run go routes because of his height. So the Bearcats kind of changed their offense a little bit. They obviously lost Jerome Ford, who was a power back in 21. Last year, the running backs, you know, Corey Kiner was still new. Ryan Montgomery's not a power back. He's more of a change of pace back, sort of like an Austin Eckler. So what's interesting, or in your case for the Bears, how about this name for you, Matt Forte? Remember him? Yeah. So and they, the offense did change in ways that I didn't expect, but that allowed Tyler Scott to develop into a NFL caliber wide receiver. Were you surprised that Trey Tucker was drafted before him, or was that what you were expecting? I mean, with no offense to your boy Q, and I'm sure he'll tell you this, are you surprised the Raiders reached for someone? I mean, and I think Trey yeah. Tucker's really good. Yeah. But the Raiders... Look, the Raiders saw something in him, I think, too, because, and Tyler Scott didn't do this. Tyler Scott wasn't a kick returner. Trey Tucker is. And as Q told me, you know, recently, the Raiders, the Raiders haven't had a, you know, a kick returner or a special teams element in so long. So, no, I'm not surprised Trey Tucker went before Tyler Scott. Trey Tucker had been there longer. He had played longer. He had had more roles. But, you know, it's just great that we saw two wide receivers for a school that's not historically known for their wide receivers outside of Alec Pierce and Marty Gilliard, perhaps, and I guess Shaq Washington will throw him in there too, it doesn't surprise me that 
Tucker went before Scott. I'm just happy both of them got drafted. I think both of them you're going to see potentially in NFL rosters next year. Oh, absolutely. So, so where do you sort of set expectations in the NFL for Tyler Scott? Like, wh- where do you see like the range of of outcomes for him? Like, as far as like what the ceiling might look like in the league versus what what the floor might look like as far as you know the high end and the low end of what he could be in the pros. I compare him to this name, Gabriel Davis. And I say that because Gabriel Davis is this big is this big play wide receiver. That's who Tyler Scott is. I think his ceiling is he's going to take the top off of defense. He's going to have these explosive performances, whether it be in the regular season or as Gabriel Davis did to the Chiefs in the playoffs just two years ago. I think his floor would be because, and I, you know, I just remember his last snap as a Bearcat, he dropped a wide open pass. He could have taken all the way to the house. For a touchdown, I'm not sure if you if you studied that mm-hmm. in your Tyler Scott preps, but look, I think he's got a very, I think he's got a you know a good floor. I don't really see him, you know, him going below that. I think his his ceiling's really high. I think he's got, I think he's got great potential to be, you know, I'm not sure if he's going to be a possession receiver like a Julio Jones, or obviously he's not as big as Julio Jones or a Brandon Marshall. I'm not sure if he's a hundred catch guy, but what I'm saying is he can be like a 60-catch guy that gets 1,000-plus yards because he averages 16.5 yards per catch. So that's what I see from him. He's a big play-wide receiver, like a Gabriel Davis, like a, I'm trying to think of another wide receiver who's got Mike Williams, for yeah. instance. Now, Mike Williams is much bigger than Scott. But you get what I'm saying. He's he's like that, like a Marquez Valdez-Scantling as well, like those guys. Like Like never a true number one, but a guy who can be a big playmaker for your offense yeah excellent well Alex you've been really great having on the podcast today let everybody know where they can find your work if they want to go back and find anything you've done on on Tyler Scott or or future Cincinnati Bearcats coverage you provide well you can find me at Frankie underscore Natty on Twitter you can find Locked on Bearcats on YouTube or free and available wherever you listen to podcasts and of course add Locked on Cats on Twitter excellent Alex thanks so much for joining us really appreciate it Lauren thank you so much best wishes to you and I hope to see Tyler Scott on the Bears roster this season Thanks again to Alex Frank from Locked on Bearcats for joining us on the podcast today. You can check out Locked on Bearcats for more Cincinnati coverage, but I want to look more specifically into this Chicago Bears wide receiving core now because Scott comes in clearly at a position that the Bears have tried to upgrade this year, and Scott's not going to come in and be a week one rookie starter the way Darnell Mooney kind of burst onto the scene early on. But I do think Scott can come in and play a role right away. Like we know the wide receiver depth chart in terms of the players is kind of, and not that it's set in stone, but we feel like it's pretty clearly DJ Moore is the number one receiver. Darnell Mooney will be your number two. Chase Claypool is number three, but is kind of pushing for those number two spots. And then Tyler Scott is probably your number four, but competing with Bayless Jones and Dante Pettis and Equinemius St. Brown. And those guys are going to kind of compete for the last, you know, two or three or four wide receiver spots, depending on how many receivers they ultimately end up keeping. We can be certain that Scott's a lock to make the 53-man roster. Bayless Jones, likely a lock to make the 53-man roster. So I think those five are going to be there somewhere. And it's a question of, is St. Brown number six? Is Pettis number six? Do you keep both of them? Is there an undrafted free agent guy who can come in and take away one of those spots as a potential special teams player? But when you look like big picture at this receiving core, I think what stands out to me, you know, Scott coming in at, you know, 5'10", 177 odd pounds, it's, you know, a, a smaller, lighter receiver. But of course, th- that's not what he's here for, right? He's not a big bodied catch guy. He's a speed playmaking before and after the catch type of player. But that's, it's it's not like, 
it's not a one-to-one skill set comparison to Darnell Mooney there or DJ Moore, but like all three of those guys are a little bit on the smaller side. Like Moore is six, a full six feet tall and two ten. Like he's 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 thick, you know, and he's strong. But but Chase Claypool is really the only like long tall receiver that's going to be a big contributor in this offense. Mooney's 5'10", you know, 175-odd pounds, very similar in size to Tyler Scott, and Moore's a little bit bigger and stronger, but not like long catch radius, jump ball, box him out down the sideline type of receiver. Like that's, it's kind of just Chase Claypool in this receiver room. And that's what's so interesting to me is like, they've got a lot of great speed. You look at the 40-yard dash times for some of these Bears players. I mean, Tyler Scott ran a 4.37 or 4.39 in his pro day. Uh, Darnell Mooney's a 4-4 guy. DJ Moore has been a 4-4 guy. I think Chase Claypool ran 4-4. Uh, Carlyle Herbert is a 4-4 speed guy. I mean, you know how fast Justin Fields is. Like, you can get a lineup out there where all of your playmakers on the field are super, super fast. Like, big time speed in this offense that we haven't quite seen this universally across the board, right? The Bears have had fast receivers before, but, like, you can get a whole lineup out there of everybody is fast, and everybody scares you a little bit with the ball in their hand and some of that playmaking ability after the catch. But I do feel like the lack of other size they have wide receiver, and I I mean size specifically in length, arm length and height and catch radius, puts a lot of pressure on Chase Claypool to be that guy, right? He doesn't need to step in and be a true number one receiver you know, thousand yard guy on the outside dominating up and down the field. That shouldn't be the expectation, right? He's never been a thousand yard guy before. He needs to be a lot better this year than he was last year. He needs to play more like the rookie year Chase Claypool that we saw really come onto the scene. Like that's that's kind of the what we're shooting for this year, Bar. But presumably he should be in a better position to do so when you add guys like Tyler Scott. And of course, adding DJ Moore kind of lifts all boats in this rising tide here. And so like that was one of the criticisms of Chase Claypool. I remember when towards the end of this past season, we had Matt Waldman from Matt Waldman's rookie scouting portfolio on the Lockdown Bears podcast. And he talked about how like, you know, that first season for Chase Claypool in in Pittsburgh, he wasn't really getting a ton of the attention, right? In that, I mean, he was just a, a it was a rookie second round pick. Like it wasn't, he was a nobody. Like they knew who he was and to make sure that, yeah, you're not just going to ignore a second round pick. But in that offense this that year, you know, they had Juju Smith-Schuster and some other options there to where teams were still adjusting to, Claypool and not giving him a ton of attention. And then after that year, like into 2021 and beyond, Claypool was like kind of clearly the go-to top option there. They added Deontay Johnson as well, like because all the attention starts going on Chase Claypool. And all of a sudden he gets a lot more of the focus of the coverage and it becomes harder for him to separate against better cornerbacks, pressing him in man-to-man coverage and more safety attention as well. And the production starts to drop down. You would think with guys like Tyler Scott able to take the top off, Darnell Mooney able to take the top off, and of course DJ Moore just being a reliable receiver at all three levels of the field, there should be a lot less attention, at least from defenses, on Claypool. We're going to be paying plenty of attention to Chase Claypool and scrutinizing closely what he does because of the premium pick the Chicago Bears gave up to trade for him. He's going to be under a lot of like pressure internally, but as far as opposing defenses, who are you going to put your best guy on? DJ Moore. Who are you going to put your second best guy on? Probably Darnell Mooney. You also have to keep an eye on Justin Fields out of the backfield. So then maybe your, you know, your third best corner or whatever is then on Claypool. And don't forget Cole Komet's going to be working over the middle of the field and perhaps a back out of the backfield with some damage ability. So like all of a sudden there's more opportunity for someone like Claypool to really carve out that role as that big bodied guy that there's not really anybody else in the receiver room that can quite do that. Perhaps it also means then in the, you know, when we get down to the red zone, for example, 
does that mean it's going to be a more of a tight end, heavier focus there? Because Tyler Scott's not winning red zone jump balls. Darnell Mooney has won some jump balls before, but it's not his skill set exactly. DJ Moore is actually pretty good in the contested catch situation. But again, at six feet to 10, like he's not the same sort of like six four two forty that Chase Claypool can provide or that, you know, Cole Komet at what, six five two sixty, and Robert Tunyon comes in at like six four six five, and you know, he's up 200 and some odd pounds. Like he's, these are the big body boys. And I wonder if in the red zone, because they have all this speed, that's going to be great. And I'm not concerned about the offense being able to execute in the red zone more so in the red zone, will this become a much more tight end featured group in that area? Are they going to run the ball a lot in the red zone and run play action off of that and just try and get it to the big body tight ends? Because you don't have the big bodies at at receiver other than Chase Claypool. And there's not enough space in the red zone and in the end zone for you guys to just be faster than everybody. Like that's when you condense the field, you can't just outrun them because the back of the end zone is 10 yards back there. So like there's not a lot of, you can outrun laterally here and there, but there's less space for guys to be able to, or more space for or less space that guys can then pass off zone coverage and keep up with speedy receivers. You don't just have to stick with them and run in man-to-man coverage. So it's harder to win as that speedy receiver in the red zone and in the end zone. That's where Claypool is going to have to step up and these tight ends are going to have to step up. But presumably the type of speed that you have between Moore, Mooney, Scott, and Claypool, and of course Herbert in the backfield and fields should make it a lot easier to get into the red zone. And then it's on Lucchetti to come up with good plays in the red zone, and it's up to Justin Fields to make the right decisions in the red zone. And we've seen Fields himself be a particularly dominant red zone threat as well. So it feels like things are setting up here where you have options. You have different skill sets. You have a lot of speed, but you have big bodies at the tight end. You've got a quarterback with some speed. And like, okay, there's a lot you can do here with the tools offensively for Lucchetti, and of course, also then for Justin Fields to take that next step. And I think Scott as a whole then will kind of be the fourth option in there, he'll rotate in kind of like, you know, Valdez Scantling was early in his Packers career when they had Devontae Adams and others where it's like Scantling was never like, the, wasn't the number two at first, but would get a couple of deep shots and grew into a bigger role. Certainly Tyler Scott is not anywhere close to Scantling in the way that they're built, but that type of role in Luke Getze's offense that could be an over-the-top vertical guy. And you can also get Scott the ball underneath screens, drag routes, stuff with space after the catch for him to make some plays. I think we're going to see a few highlight reel moments from Scott this season. It's not going to be 800 yards and 10 touchdowns, but some highlight reel moments with that sprinter speed and that running back background should be a lot of fun to watch. It's going to be a fun to watch how all of these rookies progress on the Bears team throughout the course of the season. And we're going to keep going through them this offseason with our Locked On Podcast Network hosts. We're going to do Zach Pickens coming up here. We're also going to do Roshan Johnson from Texas. I don't know that we're going to get into the fifth and seventh round guys too much, but I don't. we don't have like a Locked On Kennesaw State host here in the Locked On Podcast Network. We don't do Division II schools just yet, maybe someday, but we'll still get to make sure we know this draft class through and through and make sure we're sticking with you all throughout the offseason because we don't go anywhere even during the offseason. We're still here for you all offseason long. So make sure then that you hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to Lockdown Bears to keep up with all of our daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. That includes on the Lockdown Bears YouTube channel. You can catch all of our video podcasts as well. However you do it, just make Lockdown Bears your first listen each and every day or become an everydayer on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Five days a week is what we're here for you and that each one of those opportunities Five days a week is another chance for you to bear down.